0: Welcome to a Conversation of Change with Dr. Jen Fram, where we talk all things leadership, change, and transformation. Hello, everybody. Welcome back if this is your first time dropping into Conversations of Change podcast, you're dropping in midway through a a six-day-in-a-row podcast serial uh, where I share the first six chapters of my book, Conversations of Change, A Guide to Implementing Workplace Change. So if this is your first time visiting the podcast, I might encourage you just to back up a couple of episodes uh, to chapter one so things will make a little bit more sense to you. Um, But otherwise, Welcome back. It's really great to have you back. So chapter three, we are looking at of change agents, change leaders and change managers. And in chapter three, we're really going through all the different types of roles that are associated with large change projects and projects. Now, regardless of the adventure you're embarking on as you sit with your laptop googling change management, you'll find that there are a number of people who seem to be charged with doing things, and sometimes the names of these people are used interchangeably. This introduces a lot of confusion about who does what in change, and as you start to think about the change you want to introduce, you need to think about who's going to be helping you in the change and what their roles are in change. This chapter names the roles and provides an understanding of what they do or should do and what you might want to consider as you navigate forward. So let's start with the change leader, as in many circumstances, this may actually be you. Change leader these are line managers and senior managers who are prepared to actively and vocally sponsor, support, and role model the changes you are introducing. Ideally, they should work alongside the people identified as change champions, we'll get to them, to ensure that they are supported. In many companies, change leaders end up having the key success criteria of the change project built into their performance review. They are also integral in determining consequence management of the change. For example, what happens when people work around the change? I've included the quote from Rosalind Carter, leaders take people where they want to go, Great leaders take people where they don't want to go. Leadership of change is not for the faint of heart. It's hard work, as often you need to hold the space of potential in front of you, while others work really hard to close it down. We'll talk more about this in Chapter 11. But ideally, change leaders are good communicators, they inspire confidence and faith, and they're comfortable with leading with authenticity and empathy. They're not the spokespeople and they don't shy away from difficult decisions. The change sponsor. The change sponsor is a formal role assigned often to the head of a steering committee, known as, often known as a steer co, but not always. If your organisation is using a formal project methodology, you'll most likely have a project sponsor, and this might also be you. The change sponsor is ultimately accountable for change and keeps a close eye on the issues at hand and what it will take to remove barriers. A change sponsor should not be particularly involved in the day-to-day running of the change, but their attention will ramp up when things are getting tricky. So a change sponsor should be seen as support and facilitator, not someone to please, Sometimes there's a lot of overlap between change sponsors and change leaders, but it's not uncommon to have one change sponsor and multiple change leaders in the business. The change leaders lead the people. The sponsor ensures the barriers to change removed, whether they be political, resource-led or structural. The change agent. Now, if you've stuck your hand up to initiate, lead or execute change, there's a fair chance that you are indeed a change agent. The change agent is often the person who introduces and champions the new idea. Additionally, the change agent is usually responsible for taking the activity into the world of business as usual, which is often a post-change activity. Everett Rogers, in his Change Bible, The Diffusion of Innovations, in 1962, described a change agent as an individual who influences clients' innovation decisions in a direction deemed desirable by a change agency. Critically, the change agent not only seeks to obtain the adoption of new ideas, but may also attempt to slow down diffusion and prevent the adoption of undesirable innovations. Further, in contrast to the ideas above of the change agent as part of the business, Rogers saw the change agent as being different to the client, so different by experience, education and social system. The issue of whether your change agent should be internal or external is a contentious one. There is an argument for external change agents when your organization is so wound up in inertia that it's impossible for anyone internally to initiate and champion the change. You do, in this case, need to hire in an external change agent, possibly a change consultant or a new leader who knows that they are coming in to drive change. But there is an equally strong argument for making change agency a core capability in all of your people in the organization. Charles Hardman, managing directors of 4D Solutions, provided a fascinating example of change capability building by distributed change agents in a previous organization. And he said, we consciously made every employee an agent of change and included change as a key result area on everyone's performance reviews. Our view was that every employee was responsible for solutions. I appreciate that this isn't necessarily how it all worked in practice, but it did allow us to be very clear with our expectations, whilst providing the opportunity to every employee to make things better. For example, employee engagement. Likewise, we had no long-term appointed change managers. Rather, we had people who had managed change key result area. It's an interesting approach and one that would require significant change maturity in the business. We'll talk more about this in Chapter 7. Change champion. Champions and agents are often used interchangeably. And in my view, an agent is an instigator of change. The champion is a nominated representative of the change team. Change champions are employees who are identified as having very strong influencing and communication skills and a passion for a new way of doing things. This community will be identified, recruited, inducted, and provided early education and opportunity to play with the technology. For example, the sandpit or the environment where you can test and experiment with prototypes. Perhaps they will walk through the new processes or be involved in workshops to d- define new behaviors. They should be equipped with three domains of knowledge, project timing and activity, Technical knowledge of the change, what is changing and why, and change management knowledge to encourage user adoption, so how to lead, influence, and coach people through change. In some cases, the change champions may be used to conduct local briefings and training. Ideally, you want geographically located champions, although with more companies becoming comfortable with enterprise social networks, we're starting to see more digital or e-change champions. Working out how many change champions is determined by several pragmatic considerations. What do you want them to do and how much time will that take? How many do you need to access your target audience, especially as those companies that have got geographic footprints widely spread? The differentiation of what the business units do. For example, can one change champion attend to multiple business units, Or are they so different in culture and purpose that the one change champion would not be able to influence across? How are you going to induct and manage the change champion network? So do you have time for check-ins and for queries? I must say the term change champion is becoming more out of favor. It's often viewed as the kiss of death or associated with previous initiatives where they weren't used so well. In organizations where many changes are introduced concurrently, change champions can be a scarce resource. Often, the person is the the one in the business who is an influencer and passionate about new things, and therefore they're sought after by many. The solution to this is, as Charles Hardman identified earlier, to build a change capability across the whole of the organization. Change Consultant A change consultant is usually someone who is external to the organization and who can come into your business, perform a diagnostic phase, and produce recommendations on the way forward. They usually keep themselves to the high-level activity, so diagnosis, strategy, planning, evaluation. They don't tend to do the doing side or the delivery of change, although they may have a team associated with the consultancy who can go in and execute the change. So a team of change managers, change communicators, change analysts and training people. You're going to want a change consultant to help you understand what change you should consider, what the implications of that will be, and how to scope and plan for the change. The change manager. This role almost needs a chapter of its own. So many times we hear people in the business lament, it's so hard to find a real change manager. That, of course, starts with the assumption that there is such thing as a real change manager, which I'm not really comfortable with. It's a term that polarizes and can cause umbrage. I maintain that people come from all sorts of disciplines to play critical roles in change and add significant value, and I get wary of the decision to pigeonhole or create cookie cutter templates of what a real change manager is. There is a move to provide accreditations processes for change managers, and there's more on that in Chapter 14. But mostly, if a change manager is responsible for developing a strategy, if one, is not due, if, not, if one is not done, developing a change plan, designing the implementation of change, and executing the change, you have a fairly sound understanding of what a change manager does. One of the things to consider in thinking about those people who take on the role of a change manager is that you will have different levels of change managers. For example, early career or experienced. Early career change managers are typically the products of accreditation processes, and the more experienced at the moment are more likely to come from 10-plus years of experience backed up with an educational qualification and usually methodology agnostic when it comes to change tools and frameworks. Now, both offer value to your organization if you have no change capability. Change communications advisors. Now, I mentioned before that the change manager will often lead a team. One of the critical roles in the team is a change communication consultant or advisor. And this is a person who comes from an organizational communication or an employee communication or internal communication background who has specialized in change management. Their independent study or experience within change means that they know how to build a communication campaign that will align and support a change program. Now, for many managers, change communication means fact sheets, FAQs, roadshows and manager talking points. Good change communication means timely information that's fed to the troops, providing a consistent message and clarity in meaning. But others are going to argue for a broader understanding of change communication, where change communication is more than just a tool to introduce new systems, structures, or values. A good change communications advisor can connect your messages and intent within the broader narrative of the organization. The change analyst. Within a change team, there's often a change analyst or two, perhaps many depending on the size of the change. A change analyst is a project role that is similar to a business analyst in that they work with large volumes of data. Where they differ is that the change analyst looks at the data through the lens of understanding the audiences of change, the risks of change, and is responsible for producing reports that inform the progress of change. Now, this is often a generalist role and can turn to training analysis, communication analysis, and business analysis as required. The change analyst is often the beginnings of a career path for change managers. Change enablers. This is an often forgotten community, and it includes teams from communications, HR, and IT functions, who inevitably are needed in some capacity to make your change happen. These core functions need to be engaged early in the piece so they can plan on how they can support you. There's no point going to them at the 11th hour and demanding that they proof your comms, schedule an intranet article, or address their induction packs. If not treated with respect, they can be change blockers. The good thing about these groups is that they're often boundary spanners. And by that, I mean they span the other projects and activities going on in the organisation and so can help you with identifying overlaps, dependencies and schedule-based roadblocks. So, for example, employee engagement survey periods or financial moratoriums. Subject matter experts, or SMEs. Charmingly pronounced SMEs rhymes with cheese. These are employees identified as having functional expertise we need to ensure that there is adequate time release from their day job and that their efforts are recognised. They need to get a clear indication of the time requirements throughout the life cycle of the project. Because of their early exposure on projects, they can be a source of negativity about the change if they're not provided with context and rationale of the change and purpose. Similarly, they can also be a great source of enthusiasm as they get advanced opportunity to work through the benefits earlier than others. They may or may not be super-users. So super-users. Visions of capes and underwear worn on the outside pervade, but these are really just employees identified as having high usage of the impacted processes and systems. This group needs to be provided with additional training and education of a new system and or processes in order to provide support to the rest of the employees when the project goes live. There may be some overlap with change champions, but this is not automatic. They need strong support at the time of go live and for some time after, as they'll take the brunt of the employee's queries on the changes. One of the risks with super users is that they do not necessarily have the communication and influencing skills to manage the queries they receive at the introduction of a new system. So it's often prudent to buddy them up with a change champion. They often need a lowest Lane. So there you have it, a little bit more definition about the roles in change. Perhaps it's now time to gather your team and lead a conversation about the roles you can fill immediately and those that you'll need to identify and recruit. So the next chapter will help you on that. But for now, if we look at some of the conversation starters, who do we think that we have that could be a change sponsor and who do we think are natural leaders of this change? Are there easily identifiable change champions in our business and how might we manage them? Is there a difference between change agents and change champions in our business and how does that matter? Do we have people in the company who have the experience in change teams, so change managers, change analysts, change comms? Who might we identify as a change enabler or a SME or a super user? Now, thinking back to the adventures that you've identified that you're belonging to, let's look at what the implication of this chapter is for your choice in adventure. Adventure one, remembering you don't know what the change is to be. You've got no internal change resources, but you do have budget. As you start to change up what the or think about what the change is likely to be with your change consultant, this will be a handy guide to thinking through who's going to do what. It will also help you to temper considerations of what you are defining is feasible given your resourcing profile. In Adventure 2, you do know what the change is to be. You've got no internal change resources and you do have budget. So this is about recruiting. As you recruit your new team, you you now know that you need to recruit not just change managers, but change communicators and change agents. You'll also want to give some consideration to change sponsorship and leadership. Now, if this is not you, you'll need someone in that role. Together with your new team, you can work through the remainder of the roles and ensure you have them allocated. Adventure number three. You do know what the change is to be, you have internal change resources, and you do have budget. Sometimes when you have internal resources, there are things that are just taken for granted. So use the list in this chapter to help you work through the various roles and ensure that you and your change resources are on the same page. And then adventure four. So you may or may not know what the change is to be. You've got no internal change resources. You've got no budget to hire anyone. I'm hoping that this chapter might be helpful to you in realizing that you don't have to do it alone. In understanding the different roles, you may be able to put some names to the role and start some influential conversations of seconding people into new positions with you. But of course, I can be a bit of a Pollyanna. So that concludes this chapter. I've also included a guest article from Joe Gergen. I will include a link to his blog post on the overarching blog post. So for some of you may realize, uh, I've now got these recordings of the podcast episodes up on a blog post on drjenfram.com where I'm consolidating all of the podcast episodes in part one and all of the supporting links and information. I hope that's been really helpful to you in thinking about the type of people who are involved in your change and I'll see you back on uh, tomorrow's episode, which will be chapter four. You've been listening to a conversation of change with Dr. Jen Fram. You can find many more resources on leading change at my website, drjenfram.com. I welcome feedback on what else you'd like to hear on the podcast. Why not connect with me on Twitter, at Jen Fram, or LinkedIn?